everybody welcome back to uh, another edition of the LOTL Browns postgame show I am your host Dan uh, here with my usual co-host Steve and then uh, making his first appearance on any LOTL programming uh, welcome Casey Cherwin Casey what's up man howdy how's it going uh, Casey and Steve were at the game today um, so thanks for bringing home a victory appreciate it good luck charms yeah. you're very welcome I did it last week you guys did it this week so we're riding high right now. Three-game win streak for the Browns. Browns had three straight home games coming up the last uh, that came up the last three weeks and set them all up and knocked them all down. So Browns find themselves now at five and six and are because of the uh, Oakland Raiders laying a Oakland Raiders-sized egg in uh, the Meadowlands today. The Browns are now one game out of the sixth and final playoff spot in the AFC. Something that. Uh, when we went to Denver and lost and dropped a two and six, thought was uh, something long gone for this season. So um, Browns are peaking right now with a 41-24 victory over the Miami Dolphins this afternoon, and that is my ESPN uh, page. I had the box score up and an ad started playing, so thank you very much. Uh, we're very uh, very low budget and uh, very uh, natural here on uh, our LOTL shows, so on that will not route. that will not be edited out, and uh, I apologize. But, gentlemen, you guys were at the game. Um, I'm assuming most of the people listening right now watched the game, but um, how was the atmosphere down at the stadium today? I got to feel that everything was just, you know... It wasn't overly nervous or anything coming in like you would have thought the media attention through the week would have thought. You know, everybody was ready to go, you know, was feeling mostly positive. I was one of the few people that was not, as has been detailed through the week. I turned out to be completely wrong about this game. So Yeah, we have a uh, that uh, was we have a we have a group text uh, chat with uh, me, Steve and our brothers. And uh, Steve actually outright picked the rounds to lose to this week. So uh, I was super, shame, shame on him. Super, yeah. super worried you. about how the team was going to be mentally coming out of the Miles Garrett thing, especially given how the I media mean, had just been harping on almost the entire way up to kickoff of yeah. this game. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and rag on you for it. I mean, nah, we, no. over the years we've seen the Browns um, lay quite a quite amount of eggs and not being able to come out for games that they probably should wipe the floor with teams. But um, I, I will say, I will bask in your. Wrong uh, prediction because uh, that means the Browns won today. Yeah, very glad for that. And they won pretty convincingly. I mean, they certainly covered. Uh, I think the line was ten and a half. Ten and a half. They yeah. they ended up covering. Yep. But uh, yeah. So how was the uh, how was the crowd? Um, I know you guys were talking right before we got on here, and uh, you guys were a little surprised with how many Dolphins fans were actually there. And I actually talked with some of them at this game who actually came up. One was from Pembroke Pines, Florida, and another was from Fort Lauderdale. So, you know, I'm guessing a lot of the folks who were there rooting for Miami were locals, but 
There were some folks that came all the way from Florida, man. There were a to lot come of travel for that team. Ooh. Yeah. There were a lot of diehard Miami fans because there was a wide array of Dolphins jerseys ranging from Marinos, a Devon Best jersey. <laughs> that you told me that that, uh, <laughs> that Devon Best. <laughs> yeah. Brandon Marshall. Yeah, yeah I saw, I saw a, one of his too. A yep. Taylor jersey. So. Yeah, I that that's especially. For, uh, shocking to me because I went to the Steelers game last Thursday, and um, historically, First Energy Stadium has been like a second home for Steelers fans, and there were hardly any. Probably, I would, I honestly, I would say less than one percent. And I judge the amount of Steelers fans by the amount of towels that are waving when the Steelers did anything good. Now, the Steelers didn't really do anything good that game except for one touchdown drive, which was aided by the yellow, the yellow towels of the refs. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there weren't hardly any Steelers fans at First Energy Stadium last week, so it's interesting that there would be a decent amount of fans from an opposing team that's that far away on a team that's that bad. Yeah, like if the Dolphins were nine and two instead of two and nine, or eight and two instead of two and eight coming into this game, okay, you know whatever. There, you know, there's always fans of opposing teams in any market anyway, just because you know people move, people travel. You know, there are some Browns fans from, like, our generation when the team left during our formative football years that don't root for the Browns. They root for other teams because they said when I was first getting into football, Cleveland didn't have a team. So, but it's really interesting to uh, hear that there are actually Dolphins fans there when the Dolphins are god-awful. It's very interesting that you bring that up, Dan, because that's exactly what happened with me. I was actually a fan of the Miami Dolphins uh, in my formative years. Um, That didn't really turn around until, really, until Butch Davis showed up and the Browns started playing halfway decent football. Yeah. Well, you just like their colors. And the fact that Dolphins are my favorite animal. Well, there you go. Casey, sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, no, I I was just going to say that it's the wide range of jerseys. It's it kind of mirrors Browns fandom too, because Mm -hmm. you've got to like we're walking down there and and we're seeing like slaughter jerseys and and um, Manziel. Somebody was wearing a Manziel jersey. There was a Braylon Edwards, but it's like the Dolphins the same way of like the Browns. Yeah. With the with these jerseys Wait. dating back 10, 15 years, twenty years, thirty years. Wait, Casey, did I hear you say that somebody was wearing a Johnny Manziel jersey? Yes, there was a Johnny Manziel jersey in the in, in the in the stands. What in the world is that? Who were you asking me to play? The loser horn. Oh, I couldn't I couldn't understand you. <laughs> oh man, I could not. I'm sorry. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, uh, we're on a five second tape delay. Uh-huh. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it, it is really interesting to see all the different uh, Browns jerseys, and you can tell, like, well, obviously you can tell just by how old like people look, but um, like which generation they come from with their fandom. Because, like you said, with a slaughter jersey, you know, at the Steelers game, I saw a ton of old school Eric Metcalf jerseys, um, and then obviously now with like our generation and even younger, you know, you see the Bakers, you see the Odells, you see even you're even starting to see a lot of Nick Chubb jerseys, which. I can't blame anybody for. But anyway, uh, yeah. So Browns win today, 41-24. I didn't really think the game was as close as the score indicated because the Dolphins scored that last touchdown with like a minute left. Um, 
The Browns, though, well, the one thing that's frustrating that we'll get to um, was I, I hated how they came out of halftime to start the third quarter. And, um, you know, it, I never the game was never really in doubt because the Dolphins never got within – never got to being down one score. It was always a two-score game. But um, it was a little frustrating. But they did pick it back up in the fourth quarter. Uh, Nick Chubb. Started eating up some yards. Kareem Hunt got in the end zone for the first time as a Brown, which is exciting. And uh, I thought Baker probably played his best game of the year this year. Or uh, without, without a doubt, he really only had one bad throw. Today. One bad throw. One went he for threw behind Beckham. Unfortunately, it went for an interception. But it, it, that throw to me was a hundred percent on Baker. Uh, I know we have another text chain with our good buddy Matt, and uh, he he seemed to uh, like to put some of the blame on Odell, but to me. That that's a, you can't you can't be behind a guy on a quick five yard slant pattern. You just can't that, do that it. That was an easy know. throw to make, and yeah. it was it was off target. Yeah. This, this, I'm not gonna rag on Baker at all. It was just one like he made one bad throw, one bad decision the whole game. This this was probably definitely his, his best game this year, and yeah. at least as a positive, he's definitely trending in the right direction. Sure. He's, he's getting better. I mean, sure. he he was at some awfully low points in the yeah. season. So to be to this point, I think we can be content with that. And sure. Absolutely. I mean, so in the last four games, he's got eight touchdowns and one interception, the one he threw today. Um, he's not taking the outrageous chances that we've seen him take earlier in the season where he's just trying to force it to guys. I think, I think you, you're starting to see a shift in Baker um, where at the beginning of the season, I feel like he thought he had to like try and force feed Beckham. And that's where you saw him play really poorly, um, like in San Francisco um, and some of the other games earlier in the season. Also, I think just getting rid of Antonio Callaway is really helped him because uh, you can't have you can't be throwing to receivers that number one don't run the right routes and number two literally just can't catch. It's like what else can you do? Right, you can't run a route and you can't catch. What the hell are you doing out there? Exactly, and and. You know, luckily for the Browns, they took the decision out of their own hands when Callaway uh, got popped for another uh, failed test and was going to be suspended 10 games. So whoever Antonio Callaway signs with, which might not be anybody because he's not the juice, the juice really isn't worth the squeeze on him. As soon as he signs with the team, he's suspended for 10 games. So, but anyway, I just think, I think we're starting to see Baker from last year. I think his confidence is starting to grow. Um, I still don't like the way that Freddie Kitchens calls any of his games at all. No. I, the third quarter especially, and, and even the fourth quarter. Even, you know, when we got that <clears throat> uh, that pass interference on Odell when they when they uh, uh, they booth reviewed it, it wasn't P.I., and then they called it P.I. after a booth review. I thought uh, that was really interesting. That actually happened at the end of the first half. Um but I thought the third quarter, man, just – you have Nick Chubb and you have Kareem Hunt, and this is a game where the Browns were up mainly two and three scores the entire game, and Baker still threw the ball almost 40 times. I just don't get it. Yeah, they need to be running the ball more. It's like you, you need to play with a lead, maintain mm-hmm. a lead, ball control, and you've got two workhorses between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, and it's like put yeah. put the ball in their hands. You right. know, don't Don't let your quarterback get hit. Especially once you have a lead, right? Like once you're up twenty-eight nothing, twenty-eight-three. Like in in the second half, we just when we got the ball back, we started throwing it again. So, 
No, I'd, I'd like to get your opinion on, on something that you mentioned. I said to Steve during the game, at the end of the, the first half, when that pass interference call was, um, when they reviewed that, right. I told him, I bet you if Freddie Kitchens would have challenged that, it would not have gone the Browns' way. But the fact that it came down from the booth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think is why that call was overturned. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I do think it was interference. I do too. I, I agree with you that, I, and I don't. I don't know necessarily if I if it's. I'm just gonna like single out Freddie on this. I think across the league, especially uh, referees, hate the fact that coaches can can challenge can, can challenge this this essentially judgment call. Right. Like it's 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 outrageous. I do agree with you. I think if if say it was with 203 left instead of 103 in the first half, and Freddie could have challenged it, and I'm sure he probably would have. They probably don't overturn that. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, there, um, ju- there just seems to be this sense of the, the referees, like, defending their calls. Oh, yeah. And, they, and they, they don't yeah. want to be challenged they by the coaches. They 150% hate that the fact that NFL, that coaches are allowed to challenge that now. And it's almost like the fact that it's the league representative from the booth was making the decision to challenge. Oh, it's sure. Like they're, it's like they're okay with that. Right. They're not okay with... Well, because then it, then it, then the challenge comes from uh, the people that that pay them. So it's like, okay, well, we have to seriously look at this now. Um, but but anyway, let's just uh, real quickly uh, go through kind of the main themes and the um, main stat lines for the game today. Like we said already, I think Baker played his best game this of this season. I think he looked like Baker from last year. Um, he was. Let's see. Baker was 24 of 34 on the day, 327 yards, had three touchdowns to just the one interception. He had a 118 quarterback rating. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was his best day uh, as a Brown, for sure, um, this year. I, I keep I keep missing. I mean, that, that compares. I mean, if you didn't have the interception, I mean, it probably would be his best game ever. I mean, he had almost a perfect quarterback rating yeah. prior to that. Could have been, and you know we uh, we do have to somewhat preface this by saying it's against the Dolphins because they're that bad. Well, I mean, you're supposed to play great against it. the, the other team's bad. Yeah. You know, it should be well, a yeah, good, fat, can't... happy kind of a game, and it exactly. was exactly, um, exactly. I, I I thought this. I didn't really think we had that good of a game running the football, um, and I think maybe I, I might be getting a little bit uh, used to Nick Chubb breaking runs all the time, but up until like the fourth quarter where he had a couple. Um, I didn't really think he had that great of a day. Like, it was it was more of those like, okay, we're gonna wear you down runs, those three, those four yards, but he didn't have too many of those nine, ten, eleven yard runs. No, not too many, but it it seemed like between him and Hunt, they were averaging four or five yards a carry, and yeah. it was like there at one point in the game, Steve said to me, he's like, well, just keep running the ball, just keep oh, running sure. the ball. I mean, why why bother throwing it? Just keep well, running it. Especially when we got into the second half, I totally agree with that, but. You know, I say that, and then I look at the stats, and Nick Chubb had 21 rushes for 106 yards, five yards a carry, and a touchdown. Uh, Kareem Hunt, eight rushes for 37 yards, 4.6 average, and a touchdown. Um, Kareem Hunt didn't do very much uh, in the receiving aspect of the game today, but um, Nick Chubb had that big screen uh, catch on the first drive of the game that set up their touchdown. So uh, they were definitely involved. I just I didn't think it was like a – I guess because – I came into this game 
with knowing Miami was that bad, especially defensively, I expected Nick Chubb just to go wild. And he really, he really did. 160 yard yeah, game. Nick, or right. Nick Chubb like that. did have 159 yards, oh, 164 yards from scrimmage today. Total. Yeah, absolutely. Three, three catches for right. 58 yards. Yeah. And if you look at it totality, yeah. If you look at it in a vacuum and you just look at the stats, absolutely. He had a typical Nick Chubb game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of, I was, I was, I was honestly, and I, I, uh, I said this uh, before the game. Um, I was looking for one of those like Jamal Lewis games against the Browns where he rushes for like 280 <laughs> yards. yards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was hoping for one of those. But hey, I'm you know never gonna never gonna get upset with uh, 100 yards and a touchdown from um, Chubb. I thought uh, the player of the game is Jarvis Landry. I I I think he, without a doubt. I think oh, yeah. I think he continues to get better every game this year. He's impressed me so much this season. Um, I think he's the unquestioned leader uh, on offense um, because I think he stayed uh, steady this entire season. You know, we want to say Baker's Baker's the leader of the team, but you know, Baker's had his dust ups with the media. Baker's had his times where he's, you know, there. There's that picture that's become a meme on social media of I think it was after the Bronco game where he had that coat on with the mustache, he's dressed like a homeless guy. Yeah, where yeah. he shaved tw- where he shaved uh, before the game, then after the game. <clears throat> but uh, I think Jarvis Landry's been great. I think he's on his way to to uh, another Pro Bowl this year. I think he has a lot of respect with the other players in the locker room, and he's been right. here for a year prior. And right. it's he, he's an established Pro Bowl receiver, um, and it's always positive vibes with him. He he's always very cheerful. Yeah. He he's he's had a great season. And he's be- he probably is on his way to another. Pole he's ball. become my favorite player, honestly, on the Browns. I mean, just the just how hard he plays. You know, he's not, I we've talked about this before. He's you know he's not the biggest receiver. He's not the fastest receiver, but he doesn't drop passes. He's always in the right spot. Right. Um, and you know he had a couple catches today where it's just like wow. Oh yeah. But um, I thought Odell played well as, uh, today. You know, he got his first touchdown at uh, First Energy Stadium, which is ridiculous to think about, but um, he played well. He didn't have over 100 yards, but he had six catches, 84 yards, and a touchdown. Um, And that was pretty much it. I'm still struggling with what's going on with Hollywood Higgins and why he's not. He he must have done something. He is just in the doghouse, and I don't don't know know what happened with him. I I figure once Antonio Callaway got released, like, okay, here we go. Like... We're gonna start seeing a lot of Higgins, but then against like the Steelers, you saw Cordero Hodge. Hodge didn't have a catch today, but like neither of those guys did. Um, it was just Higgins very nearly had a touchdown. If DB didn't make it, he did. Play, that was a great, not, great play not by that pass away at the last yeah. second. He would yeah. have had, he would have had a touchdown, but it would have been his only catch of the game. Yeah. Um. So it, that that's interesting to me. I, I it, I'm perplexed by that. Some folks on Friday morning, um, as I was uh, doing some driving that morning to an interview. Um, it seems to me that a lot of the insiders seem to think that he's just not well liked in the building, and that he, as Casey alluded to, he must have done something to really just you know, yeah, know get on the happened. bad side of Kitchens or, or some of the decision makers. And, and it's amazing too because of his relationship with Baker. I mean, those two just seem like two peas in a pod coming yeah. coming Especially out last, last year. year. Right. So, and on the, the fir- and on the first drive against the Titans right. before he got that knee injury. Yeah. So that, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, he he must have done something to really put himself in a bad spot in yeah. the organization. So I've uh, 
just just to quickly go to the defensive side of the ball, I've got to give a shout out to uh, our patchwork defensive line today. I thought they played really really well considering um, we got four sacks. Uh, Sheldon Richardson in particular, I thought he by far had his best game as a Brown. They had him inside where he's been playing all year. They moved him outside to play where Miles Garrett's been playing. He had two sacks. Um, he was around the ball all day. Uh, he, I think he had a couple tackles for loss in the running game. I thought he played really well. Uh, Brian Cox played really well, son of former defensive lineman and Brown's D-line coach, Brian Cox Sr. I thought he played really well. Um, but... Uh, I would have liked to have seen him contain uh, Fitzpatrick a little more. He ripped yeah, he off got, a couple runs up the middle. Right. And he scored that touchdown on the ground. But yeah. um, there's just something about Fitzpatrick that, Fitz magic. that dude, he's just going to make plays. He, he he keeps hanging around the league, too. Yeah. People we were sitting around were talking about him and uh, McCown. Yeah. How those two somehow have just made this career of being right. backup quarterbacks. You know, they come in when you need them to start, and they make big plays here and there. Yeah. They got longevity, that's for sure. I thought uh, I thought Denzel Ward played really well. Uh, he had a couple PBUs and uh, um, didn't really let Devonte uh, Devonte Parker get get loose at all. Um, and then Joe Schobert, another two interceptions. The guy's got four interceptions in the last two games. I mean, if the Browns don't pay him, they're they're they're. Uh, they're gonna hear it from Browns fans. They got they got a few screws loose. Yeah, let's put it that way. I, I think they have to keep Schobert. They got to pay him whatever. Because I, I was telling Steve during the game that I think the one that'll probably be gone. I don't know. I could be crazy, but I think it'll be Curtsy. I agree. Because he he's already making a lot of money, I agree and with that. he's been had a couple significant injuries over the last yeah. couple of years, and he's missed a lot of time. And last I just, year, yeah. I, I think going into this year, I think that's why Dorsey drafted um, Taki Taki and uh, Mac Wilson, who with, also, with the idea that they were going to replace yeah. one or possibly both of them. Yeah. But I think you got to keep Schulbert at this point. Yeah, for sure. Um, I thought Taki Taki played well today, um, and, I, and Mac Wilson's played well pretty much all year. Um, but yeah, I uh, I think you got You gotta you gotta pay Schobert. I mean, the guy's got like five interceptions this year. He's a linebacker. I mean, most most great cornerbacks don't get five interceptions in a season. Um, so uh, I thought Schobert had another great game. He's just always in the right spot. He's another one of those guys who's not super athletically gifted, but he's a cerebral player and he's always in the right spot. Sometimes you know if you get him one on one coverage and you get the receiver the ball, yeah, maybe you know. Just athleticism takes over, and you know maybe he doesn't make the play. But in the scheme that we play, which is predominantly a zone scheme, he's always in the right spot. And this year, especially the last few weeks, the ball seemed to find him because I know the first interception he had was on a tip ball, came right to him, and then uh, the second interception too. But I thought he played. That's that's how Mac Wilson started. The, that's how he was playing in pre- preseason. Right. And, uh, so it's right. it's good to see linebackers that are uh, you mean productive Mac, that way. Mac, nobody's safe, Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I. Uh, this sets up, and I know we're gonna we're gonna go around the league, um, and we'll end up talking about the uh, what Pittsburgh did today. But this sets up quite possibly one of the biggest games since the Browns have come back in 1999. Next I week. told Casey walking out today that this is the biggest game that. The Browns have played in five years coming up here. 
Yeah, you talk about the Browns. They were seven and four after eleven games in two thousand fourteen. You know, you look at some of those games they played down the stretch there. Then they completely botched the Brian Hoyer. uh, Yes, and and they ended up, as I told Casey, completely quitting and getting shut out by Cincinnati. It was it was an ugly end of that season, unfortunately. Hopefully, this year again the Browns have a lot of momentum right now. They've won three games in a row. Schedule looks good. The rest of the way, you know, Pittsburgh and Baltimore obviously are always tough games. But you look at those other games, you still get to play Cincinnati twice. You know, that's yep. that's pretty nice. Yep, and you play Arizona. I mean, that's at Arizona, and they're not as bad as they're not. That 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 could be a tough game, especially going be. to the West Coast. Yes, yeah, could be. Um, um, but yeah, I schedule sets up, and they're going on a run right now. And I think I think you know, uh, Freddie Kitchens. In game, terrible. But one thing I will give him credit for is his mantra and his uh, coaching style within the week of making sure the players are ready to play. I mean, the Browns, especially the last three weeks, but the Browns really haven't had a game where they've just come out and looked completely flat. Maybe the Denver game, but that was when the team was like at an all all-time low um, but uh, they, they've talked they've been talking about it let's go one and know this week one and know this week one and they did put themselves in that situation to where they have to they have to look at it this way every, every game has to be a playoff game right, for them right and for the first three weeks they've done it and two out of those three weeks were against Buffalo which we we still really don't know how good Buffalo is but hey they're now what 8 and 3 8 and 3 they they I mean, seem a very middle of the road they seem like a 9 and 7 team to me eight, 8 9 and 7 team yeah but but they I mean they're probably going to end up going 10 and 6 or something like yeah. that but, they they had a very favorable and then Pittsburgh, schedule you know we all know what happened at the end of the Pittsburgh game um before we go around the league I do kind of want to get your guys opinions on that fiasco at the end of the game we've talked about it on LOTL but um, I haven't gotten a chance to really talk to you guys about it, especially you, Casey. Um, but but yeah, I just this game next Sunday at Pittsburgh, it is going to be, uh, as the kids say, lit. Yes, um, it's the Browns' opportunity to sweep the Steelers for the first time. They said on the broadcast today since 1988. We have not beaten the Steelers twice in the same season. And, and that's hard to believe, considering the way that this season's gone and how much criticism the coach and quarterback have come under. You know, they, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, firing Freddie Kitchens. and But when you look at what they've done in the division, it, sure. it's almost crazy to think that somehow they, they've beaten the Baltimore and Pittsburgh and could possibly beat Pittsburgh yeah. twice here. First time we've beaten Baltimore and Pittsburgh in the same season since, uh, I think, since we've been back in 99. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, that and that's another thing. It's, I mean, those are the benchmark franchises in the division. Mm-hmm. You know, Cincinnati's had their years where they've been... They've been decent. And they've won the division a couple times, but they've never been they've never been true Super Bowl contenders. They've, These, never, they've never won a playoff well, game. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Browns have actually won a playoff game... Uh, more recently. More recently. Yeah, 94 to, yep. I think, 89 or 90 or the last time yep. Cincinnati did. Yeah, I think that's when they went to the Super Bowl, too. I think you're right. And they got smashed by the Niners. Yeah. But anyway, let's, uh, yeah, I just wanted to, like, uh, especially you, Casey, get your take on what happened last week, um, who you believe, uh, and uh, how you think the NFL handled it. Well, 
I think Rudolph for sure was the instigator to me. I can understand he was frustrated. You know, he had been sacked a couple times prior to that particular play. Um, he, I think he turned the ball over four times in the game. So it was a pretty rough game for them. Uh, they're not on the losing end to the Browns often. Um, but the whole thing was just crazy and idiotic. Um, I think it's been kind of a joke the way the NFL's handled it. Yeah. I think Garrett's suspension was just. Um, I wasn't too thrilled about how his appeal went. I thought they could have ended the indefinite suspension and probably just said, hey, you're done for this year. Right. We'll see you next year. Uh, I was very disappointed that the league would not at least suspend Rudolph one game. Agreed. That was my biggest problem. Completely agree. Uh, he had a hand in the fight. You know, Garrett, the fight. Garrett doesn't pull that helmet off and swing it at him if Rudolph doesn't attack him. Yeah. And, uh... Well, yeah, so there's there's layers to the way the fight happened. So, um, and we'll get to whether we think Mason Rudolph uttered the, you know, the, the yeah. unmentionable. Un- unspeakable. Um, so, Rudolph pulls off, try, or tries to pull off Garrett's helmet unsuccessfully. Garrett's like, oh, okay. You want to fight, so you want to take my helmet off. Okay, I'll take yours off, and we'll fight. So then, you know, Garrett takes off Rudolph's helmet very easily, I might add. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you have the Steelers uh, players holding Miles Garrett back. That should have been the end of it. Yeah. Done. Okay, yeah. cooler heads prevail. We're separating Garrett. You know, and it, and it wasn't even like Garrett was coming towards him. I mean, he right. was he was walking back right. as the Steelers player DeCastro was yep. holding him. He's stepping back into the end zone. Yep. And then you have Rudolph and then that Rudolph comes charging like a, like after him. Like a friggin' him. bat out of hell, like some psychopath charges at him. And then, uh, well, not only, we forgot to mention the fact that Rudolph tried to kick, or did kick Garrett in the junk. Yeah. But then when he charged him again, there's a picture where you see uh, Rudolph tries to punch Rudolph in the in the in either the midsection or the junk. And that's when Miles Garrett's, all right, you know what, screw you. And then just overhand right with the helmet. Yeah. I would have I would have been and I think the NFL obviously if he doesn't use the helmet the NFL's not going to suspend him for the rest of the game but if if Miles would have just tossed the helmet and then just cold cocked him right in the face he probably gets like a two game suspension. Yeah. Because you know players have fought in the NFL before. Yeah. Like I, I brought up on LTL last week the Andre Johnson Cortland Finnegan fiasco from a few years ago mm-hmm. where they pulled each other's helmets off and then just fist fought. And both of those guys got like one, two, or maybe three games. I, can't I, thought, it, I thought it was like a one-game suspension for yeah, both of them. Exactly. So um, I, uh, getting to what we're talking about with the uh, the unmentionable, I think 100%, I'm 100% on Miles Garrett's side, he said it. I said it walking out of the stadium that day that he absolutely said that word. Miles Garrett doesn't react that way unless something is said. Yeah, it's not like you're talking about a player with a very questionable personality or yeah. like Vontez Perfect or somebody like that. You right. know, Miles Garrett has never been in trouble, as far as no. I'm aware. I mean, he's been fined a couple yeah. times. You know, he for he, hits or right you know, for something. roughing the pe- roughing that, the passer. You know, whatever. But yeah, I know. I mean, that was nuts. I mean, it's the whole okay. You're ripping my helmet off. I'm gonna rip yours off. You know, that's one thing. But like. He just went completely ape for, I don't know, for that 10 or 15 second interval. And you have to have, 
again, it either has to be verbally triggered or physically triggered. And I mean, for, for me personally, somebody coming after my man region would be a reason to go right then and there. Right. But, but it was even after that happened that Garrett even went on to that whole new level of, you know, basically and just decided to go Hulk smash on yeah. Rudolph. So I, I think the word was, yeah. I think the word was muttered. Oh, while, no doubt. The word was muttered while Rudolph was trying to take Miles Garrett's helmet off. Because I think what happened was Garrett didn't get flagged for this. Maybe taking him to the ground when he hit him was a little bit excessive. Fine, whatever. He didn't drive him into the ground. He no, basically he really Rudolph basically fell over top of him. And I think when and again, this is allegedly, I'm not saying I know this. Um, I think when Garrett took him to the ground, Mason Garrett said something like, Get off of me, you G D N or U F N N or something like that. And that's when Garrett's like, All right, bleep you. Like, we're going. Yeah. So not something like it Miles Garrett doesn't get enraged unless something is said down there. And uh, for the NFL to say there's no audio of it is complete BS. Yeah. That is utter bull crap. There's audio out there. The NFL just doesn't want it to get out because they don't want this to think make... that it's a cover up. The I mean, NFL it, it wants really this does to seem they, they want it to disappear. The NFL wants this to go away. Disappear. And it I don't know I don't know how the heck that it got leaked from his appeals hearing that uh, Miles Garrett uh, uh, you know said yeah. that he said that. Yeah. I've never once heard anything get leaked from an appeals hearing in, right. in, in, in any in, sport. From what I understand, what I heard, Garrett said he was under the inst- the understanding that right. everything in that meeting is confidential, confidential. and nothing right. leaves that room. Right. So well, it came out this morning, out, uh, Jay Glazer reported that uh, everybody's saying, well, why did he wait a week to say this or whatever? No, he did say it. He didn't want it to yeah. come out publicly. Well, That's well that. He, didn't he, want he the could media have said it on Thursday it. night right after it happened. Well, he was, he was asked he, he was asked about it. And, right. And he said, uh, they're just going to have to go look at it. Uh, I'm not going to comment on it. And then he said, uh, after the, the leak came out in his uh, appeal, he said, I know what I heard. Whether Rudolph said it out of frustration or ignorance... That's I I can't I can't determine that, but I know what I heard. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just I think absolutely 100% Rudolph said it. Like I think the NFL better hope that TMZ doesn't get a hold of a tape or oh, a recording really something like bad. that because that would be an awful black <laughs> eye for the really league. Really bad, and it's gonna and, and it will it will essentially get Mason Rudolph excommunicated from the league because yeah. because no players are gonna allow their team to sign him. No, yeah, he, if he actually said that, he'll get the uh, Colin Kaepernick treatment right. at that point, and he's not even that talented. He's right. a pretty bad quarterback. Oh, he's so. terrible. He is horrible. He uh, got benched he today, got benched. as we will discuss. Yeah, yeah. So let's do that. Let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, go around the league. So Steve, if you can uh, take it away here. All right, and uh, I think we'll also be paying a little bit of emphasis to each team's record here as we discuss the playoff chase. Yep. So. Uh, starting with Thursday night's game, Texans 20, Colts 17. That was an enormous game. Huge. Huge game. Because uh, especially for especially for Houston to get that win because they play New England next week. Yeah. So they now find they themselves that win. in the lead of the AFC South uh, by a game over and Indianapolis. If they, and if they would have lost that game, uh, Indy would have had the hammer on them because they would have swept them. So that was... That was for a team that was uh, six and four, that was as close to a must-win game uh, as you're going to find. So kudos to the to the uh, Texans for pulling that one out. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, prison inmate game of the day. Uh, Lions losing to the Redskins 19-16. to Washington gets their second win of the season. Uh, lots of empty seats at FedEx Field for that one. Um, Seahawks, 17, Eagles, 9. Yeah. Seahawks looking like they are absolutely a legit Super Bowl contender. Uh, Eagles the offensively NFC, look man, terrible. The just a meat grinder this year. Mm-hmm. The NFC is so much better than the AFC. There, there's probably four or five teams in the NFC that could conceivably win the Super Bowl. Right, agreed. And, and I thought from the beginning, you know, everyone thought the Patriots, this is it, they'll win the Super Bowl, no problem. But I, I really think there's probably four or five teams in the NFC that could probably beat the Patriots. Yeah, I would absolutely. And, and they might not even be the team to beat. We'll see. Yep. Um, the eye-popping score of the day, Jets 34, Raiders 3. That's, oh. Wow. Oh, that's crazy to me. You think the Raiders are starting to read their own press clippings? Yeah, My a little bit. goodness. A little bit. The amazing thing about this is that this is the Jets' fourth win of the season. And I, I know. basically considered them, like, you know, worst team in the league almost. But, you know, they've, they've beaten Dallas at home. They've now beaten Oakland. They actually have some semi-decent wins on their resume. Yeah, I mean, they got they got uh, Darnold out of the uh, hyperbaric... Uh, uh, quarantine chamber after he got mono and he's playing well and their defense is playing really well greg williams okay it's <laughs> <laughs> the dumbest question you could ask what oh man saints 34 panthers 31 that might have been the best game in the one o'clock window today saints more or less just icing the nfc south title with that yep uh, Panthers were basically fighting for their season there, and they came up just a little bit short. Um, huge win for New Orleans. They're now 9-2. and two. Um, As we had mentioned earlier, Steelers... Uh, Wait, they... Good morning! Good afternoon! And good night, Pittsburgh! Pittsburgh 16, Cincinnati 10. Bengals still without a win. They're five games away from uh, infamy. So Pittsburgh goes to six and five with that, and that sets up a monster game next week in Pittsburgh. Yep, going to be playing this nonstop on LOTL. Uh, not this week, but next. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Pittsburgh. Hopefully we will never hearing, get old. By hopefully way. we will hear, be hearing that all day on post game podcast. Onward, the Chicago Bears, they're still hanging around, I guess. They beat the Giants today, 19-14. to uh, They're now 5-6. and six. Granted, being 5-6 five, being five and six <laughs> in the NFC is not as good as in the AFC. Um, we'll talk about that in a sec. Buffalo, we mentioned them earlier in this podcast. They are now 8-3. and three. They beat up on the Broncos today, 20-3. to three. Um Buffalo's had a very easy schedule up to this point. I'll, it's very hard from here. Um, we'll discuss yep. future schedules in just a bit here, but uh, we're going to finally find out what the Bills are made of here soon. Uh, Buccaneers defeat the Falcons today, 35-22. Those are two teams that are not going anywhere. Nope. Uh, 4 o'clock window of games. Tennessee, 
35, Jacksonville 3, wow. late in the third quarter. The Titans are going to go to 6-5 and five with that victory. Jacksonville wow. now 4-7. and seven. They're going to be out of it. Um, <laughs> this is a problem for the Browns because that's the one team out there that will probably have, well, we know we'll have the tiebreaker on the Browns head -to -head, because yep. of a head-to-head. -head. Yep. Pretty much all the other teams due to conference record or other head-to-heads, the Browns will probably have the tiebreaker advantage. Yeah, so we need Tennessee so, to start slipping up. Yeah, we certainly do. Um, the other 4 o'clock game going on right now, Patriots 10, Cowboys 6. They're playing in a dark, miserable monsoon in Foxborough. Similar to what the Browns played in when they played there. Um, yeah, I don't know how people live in Boston, honestly. <laughs> um, just... It just looks so miserable every time well, you see Well, the people are a-holes. Yeah. We, we see the Pretty way much. Belichick looks during every game. He just looks oh, yeah, miserable yeah, all yeah. the time. Well, he's perfect for that city then. Well, you say he, he has that Emperor Palpatine look to him, doesn't he? Yeah, especially with that hood drawn tonight. <laughs> I don't have the Emperor on here. Wish I did. So going to the night games, we got a pair of bangers, especially tonight. The Sunday night game tonight is it might be game of the Green year. Bay eight and two playing at San Francisco nine yeah, and one. Absolutely, what a game that's going to be! Ah, uh, boy, I would imagine those two teams are going to see each other again. Yeah, I, very, there's a really good chance of that. Yeah, very, uh, very likely. And then the Monday night game, just as important, uh, Baltimore eight and two going out to the West Coast. They're playing at the Rams, who are six and four, and really are battling for their year. Because of the playoff situation in the NFC. Yeah. So, you know, maybe, you know, will Baltimore continue to impress against anybody or are they finally going to have a team actually show up and want to play against them? Because it seems yeah. like. Well, last time somebody's done that, it's been the Browns. Yeah. I mean, Patriots had their worst game of the season against Baltimore. Seattle had their worst game of the season against Baltimore. And the Browns arguably so, had their best. Yeah. Go figure. Outliers all around. Yep. So uh, looking at this AFC playoff picture a little bit more here, I just looked at Oakland. Their remaining schedule is kind of it's kind of mixed. you got the Chiefs, the Titans, the Jaguars, the Chargers, and the Broncos. The next two games are actually really important for them. Uh, yep. Kansas City and then Tennessee. Um, I almost feel like I want them to lose next week and then beat Tennessee. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're this definitely is, I mean, not this off is, base there. This is all given the fact that the Browns keep winning. I mean, yeah. Well, none of it matters that the Browns yeah. don't keep winning. That's, right. That much is for sure. You look at Buffalo next. They still they have to play New England still. They have to play Baltimore. They have a game at Pittsburgh in Week 15. That's That could be a strange bedfellows in terms of who we need to root for in that game. Good morning! Good afternoon! And good night, Pittsburgh! Oh, I'm not... I'm not going to root for Pittsburgh. I know you're not going to root for Pittsburgh in Never, any situation, but ever. who knows? That might be what we need, depending right on the situation. Uh, we've had this talk before. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll blame I'll blame ourselves before I root for Pittsburgh to help us get into the playoffs. Mm. And then you, you mentioned Tennessee. This is the team we really need to lose some games. Uh, they're up against Indianapolis next. Indianapolis is also 6-5, and five, so uh, depending on the outcome there, that, that could pose other problems. They then play the Raiders. They then play the Texans. Then they have to play the Saints. I'm happy to see that. And then they yeah, have to play Texans the Texans again. again. So really, the Titans have no guaranteed victories the rest of the way. Yeah, so, they, they have a rough last, uh, what, five five games? Yeah. They just feel like an 8-8 eight eight team. I don't know. 
And that's usually how they I think finish, we right? Said that the nine, whole year. Nine, yeah. nine and seven, yeah. eight and eight kind right. of team. Well, last year they had nine and seven and they made the playoffs, right? They lost it actually on the last. Oh, that's week. right. They, they didn't get in. That's right. But um, yeah, of the remaining teams that the Browns are going to have to get over, um, I didn't look at Pittsburgh's schedule because I'm. Assuming, if the Browns do beat Pittsburgh next week, they're going to be holding a, a tiebreaker. Yep. Um, which would really help their situation. I mean, of these other teams we're dealing with for the wild card. It looks like Oakland has the easiest remaining schedule, but they went into the the Meadowlands and got schlacked today. So right, they could lose to anybody. Yeah, Indian Tennessee, they have some some difficulty remaining on theirs. So who knows? It's all on the Browns, but it's good that we're discussing this because three weeks ago it didn't look like we were going to. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think if the like. I understand all the tiebreaker scenarios and everything. I, I feel like if the Browns take care of their business, that that stuff will all take care of itself. Yeah. I think if the Browns take care of their business and they end up nine and seven and or you know best case scenario ten and six, ten and went six, out, they're uh, they're going to the ten playoffs, and six then. because of the way that they already have tiebreakers over with conference record and everything. They go ten and six. The Browns are going to the playoffs. Yeah, I don't no see doubt any scenario that. in which they're ten and six and they get left out. I don't see absolutely. That you know, if they if they slip up, say say they slip up at Arizona or they you know lose the second game to Baltimore because Baltimore's playing out of their mind right now and they finish nine and seven. Okay, that that they, they might then, need some help then, but then you'll see you know, you might see like a triple tiebreaker or something like that or you know. But I think if the Browns, to me. Even though it's not mathematical that if they win the rest of their games, they're in like 100%. I, I just feel like with the way everything's shaking out, if the Browns take care of their own business, they're going to get in the playoffs. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I can't see a scenario they get shut well, out. We're lucky that we're not in the NFC right now, where you have a team like Seattle at 9-2 and two sitting in a wild card spot that's and, <laughs> and Minnesota at 8-3. and three. Yeah, that's insane. You know, you insane. Had, literally, you've got... Six teams in that conference that are eight and three or better. Yeah, that's the NFC crazy. is an absolute meat grinder this year. Um, so yeah, so um, that's pretty much going to do it for us this week. Uh, we're going to preview the Brown Steelers matchup on LOTL on Thursday night. So be on the lookout for that biggest game. Like Steve said, for sure in the last five years, I I'd almost go back to this might be the biggest regular season game for the Browns since they've come back in '99. The only game that I would say might be bigger would be that Falcons game in 02 where we clinched the playoffs. Um, but it's right up there. So it's awesome. You know, the Browns started 2-6. and six. That sucked. The first half of the season sucked. But it is awesome to be playing games that matter Thanksgiving and later. Yeah. We don't get that very often here. It's like a once every five years yeah. thing. It, it sort of happened last year, but the Browns weren't going to the playoffs. It was just It was just great to be playing winning football that late in the season because the year before we didn't win a damn game but to, but to play meaningful football with a team that you feel like if they play well they can beat anybody it's exciting so we'll see what happens but if we beat Pittsburgh I'm going to be go to 3-0 in the division with all three of those games being against Baltimore and Pittsburgh I'm going to be on cloud nine so uh, real quick, let's go around and uh, predict the game next Sunday. What do we think? I say I think it's going to be overtime. Oh God! I I think oh, the Browns. I think the Browns are. It comes down to Austin Seibert's foot, oh, uh, and I no. 
And I think he comes through. I think the Browns win 20-17. to 17. Ooh, wow. So you think Austin Seibert's going to make the kick to win the game. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a close, tight game. I think it's going to be a lot closer than the first game. Um, I think the Browns can win, but I think it's going to be a real nail-biter. So, Yeah, I think it's going to be intense. Uh, obviously, it's going to be chippy. Um, I don't know what it is. I'm not high in Pittsburgh at all. Um, their offense is – I honestly – I, you know, for this game, we're going to be getting Ogan Joby back. Uh, we're hopefully going to be getting Olivier Vernon back. Uh, you know, obviously we'll still be at, without Miles, but um, I just – I think the Browns have too much for the Steelers. I don't think the Steelers are going to be able to score to keep up with us. Yeah, the Pittsburgh defense is okay, but it's we handled them pretty good. The Browns are a more talented team. They should, oh, absolutely. They should, if they play their best football, they should beat the Steelers. Even if the Steelers play Duck Hodges instead of Mason Rudolph, I, I, I don't see Pittsburgh really sc- – the key to playing Pittsburgh – what? Can I go with the Rock take on this one? It doesn't matter what your name is. It doesn't matter what you think. Um <laughs> – yeah, I, the, the key to the Steelers, and, I, and we talked about this going into the game last week, the key playing the Steelers, their offense is so bad, so if you don't turn the ball over and let their defense score, you're going to beat them. So that's the key for the Browns. They don't turn the ball over, and they don't allow Pittsburgh to score on defense or special teams. They're going to win the game. Because I don't, I don't see the Steelers holding the Browns under 20 points, and unless the Steelers get a touchdown via defense or special teams, I don't think the Steelers can score 20 points. So, I think the Browns are going to win twenty to seven or twenty four to seventeen. Okay. And uh, Baker sweeps Pittsburgh, and hopefully he crotch chops them on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Pittsburgh. All right, so there you have it. So that is the post game show this week. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, thanks for uh, checking us out on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Uh, check us out on social media at the LOTL podcast and uh, give us a rating, follow, like, uh, review, all that good stuff. And uh, we will catch you guys uh, later this week for our normal episode of LOTL. And then hopefully next week after a Browns win, going to 6 and 6 and uh, firmly looking at the playoffs. So uh, for Steve and for Casey, thanks guys for being with me. Uh, I'm Dan, and uh, we'll catch you guys uh, next week. Go Browns. Go Browns. It's over.